A uh, big welcome to you. My name's Matt. Um, uh, if, if you're fairly new to our church and you haven't met me yet, uh, I would love to meet you. So please come and introduce yourself to me. Um, I, I particularly like uh, meeting, you know, meeting some, those of you who are new, but if you've been here for some time and I haven't yet met you, please, please come and say hi and introduce yourself uh, to me. It can be difficult to sort of get around and meet everyone, so you could help me uh, with that by coming and saying hi. Um, as many of you know, one of our other uh, partners uh, in ministry and a very important church partnership that we have is with a church in Nairobi in Kenya called Christ Restoration Community. And uh, over Easter, I and a, a team of others went over there and we were involved in a conference that they were holding and, and just visiting there and um, uh, really sowing into the relationship that we have, such a wonderful long-term relationship uh, with that church over something like 15 years. And I just feel there's something very significant uh, about, this, about this partnership. Um, it's uh, the, the senior pastor of the church, uh, Pastor Andrew, is an amazing guy, and it was such a privilege to spend a lot of time with him. And I learned so much by going there. I had a feeling when I went there that I would learn a lot uh, on this trip. It was, uh, I knew that's what it was really going to be uh, about for me uh, personally, as well as, of course, sewing into the relationship and, and representing One Hope Church there and, and, and so forth. But I knew, uh, I knew that uh, I was going to grow through that. But I knew actually that through that there was also going to be something uh, for us. And, uh, and today I want to share with you some, a, a very key key lesson that I learned, and, and in some ways, what I'm going to talk about today is, again, very simple, but it's also very profound and important, and I think it's something that will help to orient us as we move forwards as a church, and I was so grateful to be reminded of this and to be able to draw on what is an amazing depth of wisdom on the part of, uh, of Pastor Andrew. Uh, and I'm so, I'm so grateful for him and the team, pa uh, Pastor Andrew and Pastor Francis. I think we have a photo here of uh, Andrew and Francis, the two um, key pastors uh, of that church. Um, amazing guys with just a wealth of wisdom and, and serving so sacrificially in, over so many uh, years, decades, in what is a very, very uh, poor community. But we'll just, we'll just leave that for the moment. Um, one of the things that we're very readily aware of, and, and this is going to sort of set up for what I want to talk about today, and one of the key lessons uh, that I learned when I, I was over in Kenya, one of the things that we're readily conscious of, particularly uh, through our media and the, the access to awareness of all the things that are going on, not only in our own country but in the world, is the sheer plethora of issues serious issues, problems and issues in our, uh, in our world today. Uh, there are local uh, issues like refugee issues, indigenous issues, sanctity of life issues, gender, sexuality issues, equality issues, uh, issues of racism, prejudice, lots of issues. You see these issues get talked about a, a lot in a number of different forums. And then there's international issues. You know, there's the war in Ukraine and the uh, Israeli-Palestinian issues, issues of poverty and human trafficking and slavery. And then, uh, and then there's 
address global issues like climate change, biodiversity, conservation, and, and, and so forth. So many issues. I mean, I've only really just touched the surface there. And, and we, we, do, we hear a lot about these issues, and these are all incredibly important issues. And I've... Some of those, you know, key issues there, you know, I've read a lot about and, and I've tried to learn about some of these issues and I've really tried to engage uh, with, with some of these issues. I read a book uh, um, a few years ago called Reading the Times, uh, I forget the uh, author's name, um, uh, but it's called Reading the Times and it's a, it's a theological reflection uh, a theological and literary reflection on the news and how we Acts and how we kind of interpret or take or how we, uh, the, the effect that, that it has on us. And it's a very uh, interesting uh, book you can, uh, you can read. It's written by a, a Christian theologian. And he, the author, actually recommends that we, that we have to focus somewhat. There's so many issues being bombarded. We have to inevitably focus on, on you know, on, on a small range or even just one or two issues because we, you know, we just get so... Um, bombarded, and we can actually end up being desensitized and even caring about nothing, and I think that would be uh, a mistake. We should care about the world uh, that, that we live in, of course, that goes without saying. But one of the challenges that I have faced uh, as I have uh, educated myself about a lot of these, uh, a lot of these issues and, and um, is I have... I have recognized that the sheer range of is issues can also work to distract me, actually, because I can get so uh, drawn to the issues themselves that I get distracted from what is actually the root issue that we as a church, and certainly I and my calling as a pastor of the church, need to be focusing on. And because, of course, Quite rightly, different people focus on different issues, and, uh, and, and it's not that some issues are more important than others, or that you might argue that the issue that you're passionate about is more important than the issue that someone else is passionate about. We tend to align ourselves with different issues, and I have lots of actually wonderful conversations with people who are passionate about some of those, and perhaps more, uh, about some of those issues that I've spoken to there. But one of the things that can happen is that uh, everyone with all their different issues expects me to represent those issues <laughs> from the, the front, and I could, spend, I could spend year after year after year actually preaching on issues and talking about issues. I mean, I could do that and, and, and well, I probably couldn't actually because I'm not quite that, I'm not, I'm just actually not smart enough to really even know uh, the answers to all of those issues or even to make suggestions on, on how we might solve that. Now, that doesn't mean, I, you know, I think it's important that we do something uh, and we respond in some ways and, and certainly we will do that from time to time. But you can see how it would be easy to get so drawn to all the different issues and almost drowned in the sheer complexity of the circumstance. And this is where uh, my visit to Christ Restoration Church and, and to Pastor Andrew in Kawangwari, Nairobi, Kenya, was so enormously important for me. Because talk about issues. They, the, the church there is uh, in a very, very poor 
uh, circumstance. They, they, in fact, the church is smack bang in the middle of quite a large, what we would refer to as a slum. It's a rather unfortunate uh, term, but uh, it's in a very, very poor community. Um, and talk about issues. They are surrounded by every, pretty much every issue that you could think about is is an issue in that community, and it's right on their doorstep. And I remember thinking uh, about this as I was going over there and wondering, you know, wonder what they're doing about that issue and this issue and that issue and about, you know, and and thinking through all of that. And when I uh, when I got there and I was, um, I, I spent some time walking. Uh, Pastor Andrew and I would would t- walk and talk, and we would walk all around this uh, this community, you know, dodging puddles and trying not to uh, be up up to my waist in mud and actually he, he saved my life a couple of times because I'm such a space cadet like I just walk along and I'm talking he's like grabs me and pulls me out of the way of a big lorry that's kind of bearing down the road <laughs> and he says Matt you have to pay uh, attention here so I just <laughs> love the conversation uh, but I do want you to go home alive so thank you to Pastor Andrew uh, for that um, uh, but he not only sent me home alive he also sent me home uh, a little bit uh, a little bit wiser than, than when and I went there because when I asked him, you know, what do you do about all of these issues? You've got this going on and this there and you just, you know, there's so many issues here. You know, what are you doing about all of these issues? And his answer was, was wonderfully simple, almost perplexingly simple at first. And you, you wouldn't think that I would be perplexed by this, but this is, um, I'll own that. He said, in response to the, my, my question, uh, in summary, you know, what are you doing about all of these issues? He said, we talk about Jesus. We make disciples of Jesus. Now, when I say we make disciples of Jesus, it means we teach people how to live their lives the way God wants them to live in relationship with God because, of, of course, Jesus, the significance of Jesus is that he is God come to us to reconcile himself to the world, to reposition our lives in relationship to God. And I've said in previous weeks how incredibly important that is. We could go around trying to deal with all of the bad fruit on the end of the branches of humanity But as Christians, we recognize, and this is so core to the biblical worldview, that there is a core problem with humanity that comes from the fact that we have become disconnected from God, depositioned in a sense. And because we have become disconnected from God, that has caused a fragmentation of humanity. Everyone is trying to be gods unto themselves. If you shut God out and choose to live autonomously and independently, inevitably you have to be the God of your own little world. And so you get lots of little worlds or little kingdoms or wherever you want to put that, and everyone's doing their own thing and living their own way. And of course, the, you know, one person's claim to autonomy, autonomy is self-rule, one person's claim to autonomy is going to inevitably clash with another person's claim to autonomy, and that's world history right there uh, in a nutshell, right? Because human beings are fragmented. Fragmented. And this is the interesting thing as you look through history, a lot of the major problems that we have, particular, particularly you know, global issues, um, are, can be humanly insoluble in the sense that that actually requires human beings to act as one body. 
<laughs> and that's just like, that's a kind of, in the present circumstance, an impossibility. Because we have this, and this is the way that I've put it before, we have this God complex going on. That really is the core issue with human nature. We have this compulsive God complex going on, and it comes out in lots of different ways. And this is, remember, this is why I've said, uh, this is why one person can't judge another person. Because though the moral issues, the way that that comes out at the surface, the moral uh, or injustice issues, though that might exhibit itself in different ways, in different situations, yet the core problem, we all share a common human nature. We all share this compulsion to this God complex. So it comes out uh, in different ways. This is why Jesus said you cannot judge one another, right? Because it's just the different moral manifestations in different people, but it's the same core problem in all of humanity. And that is the problem that Jesus comes to deal with. Jesus is God coming to us to pay for our guilt so that we can be reconciled with God, repositioned in relationship with God, because we wreck our lives and we wreck the world by trying to play God, because we're just not good at it, because we're not God. And when we try, we destroy our own lives, the lives of others, and the world that we live in, including the planet in, in terms of our natural environment. And so that core issue is why we talk about Jesus. It's not just a matter of getting a ticket, you know, kind of ticket to heaven. Not that that's not important. Because one of the things that we also forget is the fact, and we do tend to block this out, we are all going to die one day. And the worst thing that can happen is that we die still in our guilt in alienation from God. Because you never needed God more than when you stand at the gates of eternity. And Jesus came to us to give us life that never ends. Fullness of life in God that never ends. And so this is why we talk about Jesus. This is why we're going to keep talking about Jesus. And I was reminded by our wonderful friends in Kawangwari, Nairobi, that Jesus is the answer. It's all about Jesus. I want you to have a look at this photo. Uh, Andrew and I uh, are talking about these very things. And in the background, significantly in the background, uh, you can see. <laughs> so he's patiently explaining to this uh, absolute nufty here uh, that it's all about Jesus, Matt. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and they've got that written right over uh, this stage. So every single week they are reminded because they can easily be distracted, actually. It's not that they do nothing about those issues in their community. It's not that, you know, it's not that they don't care about those issues. It's because they do care that they recognize the only thing ultimately that's going to change anything is Jesus Christ. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son to suffer and die so that we may have eternal life. And that starts now in this life, not just at the end of our life. It starts now. It's a fundamentally different way of living. That's what discipleship is. It's learning to live a life where you're not God. That's why we talk about making disciples of Jesus. Jesus. 
where he becomes our Lord. There's a wonderful uh, statement, and I I thought of this as as I was talking to Pastor Andrew in Romans chapter 1, in verse uh, 16. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of uh, parts of of the New Testament in this uh, letter to uh, the church in Rome, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You see, in the first century, a lot of people were talking about solutions for the human predicament. It was, you know, philosophy was uh, well-developed after 400 years since uh, about the time, well, actually even a bit longer than that, about 600 years of Greek philosophy. Um, You know, everyone, that was the topic of the day. Everyone was talking about, you know, how to make the world a better world and how to organize society and and lots of talks about philosophy and politics and all of this sort of stuff. That was all uh, all the trend uh, in the first century. And so Paul is almost a little bit apologetic. (laughs) You know, I know this doesn't sound very sophisticated, he says, but, uh, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to talk about the gospel, which means good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is that God is reconciling the world to himself, that he is repositioning human lives. And as I said in in previous weeks, it's not until we're repositioned that our condition, both individually and corporately, can actually be changed. This is something uh, that's that's recognized. There's a great book, actually, it's in our bookshop called Walking with the Poor, and and it's a book about uh, transformational development. And the Christian author who writes that book says we need to recognize, actually, according to the Christian worldview, there is a fundamental level of poverty that we all share with poor and non-poor alike, right? Because he wants to prevent against, and it's interesting, uh, Bryant Myers, who writes the book, talks about uh, a kind of God complex that can be at work in charity work. Um, it's actually something that in Charles Dickens' novel, novels, uh, he was uh, very concerned with, uh, with social issues, and a lot of this comes out in the novels of Charles Dickens, very critical of, of charity work being done in, with this kind of God complex, you know, playing God to another person. And Bryant Myers says, well, actually, according to the Christian worldview, we all share in the same fundamental poverty, right? So it's not, you know, it's not a non-poor person helping a poor person. No, we're all in a process of recovery together. That is an amazing difference that comes from the Christian worldview and the way that we do things. I remember being, um, I've been to India a couple of times with World Vision and and had the opportunity of really tracking with them and going into communities and learning about how World Vision in India, and and, and India, they're a very strong Christian organization. And I remember asking uh, the head of uh, the Area Development Project you know, about the, you know, the strategies. And, and he said, look, ultimately, you know, and again, it was one of these moments. He said, ultimately, these people need Jesus. And it surprised me because I thought he was going to talk about strategies. And of course, they do a lot of, you know, they do a lot of great work. But he recognized, ultimately, these people need to be freed from this sense that uh, I may not change in that, in that I'm locked here in, in, in a sort of Hindu system. I'm locked here because I'm suffering from, you know, past sins or whatever. And then also that I, therefore, I cannot change. They need to be unlocked from that. And only Jesus can lift off any sin, can lift off that from our lives. And so, yet again, I'm hearing this amazing development expert in this incredibly intense context saying, you know, Matt, 
it's really all about Jesus. And so, again, back to the Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. And when he talks about human wisdom, you know, Paul, who uh, grew up in Tarsus, and Tarsus was, was one of the three main centers of Greek philosophy uh, in the ancient world, uh, you know, he, that's what he means when he's talking about human wisdom, all this all of these human uh, solutions that were, uh, that were going around. Not that, there was, not that all of that was wrong, by the way. There was lots of helpful stuff being said uh, at the time, uh, as indeed there is today. It's not invalidating all of that. It's just recognising what the core is. So he says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. He says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, he was saying, I'm not going to be ashamed about holding up the name of Jesus. I know it's not going to make me popular. I know I'm not going to come, come across as the smartest person in the room when I say that. But Jesus is actually the answer. And we have to stand by that. One of the reasons that we drift away from this is because... The answer that Jesus is, is a long-term answer. In a global sense, it is a long-term answer. In fact, even personally, uh, I think you probably noticed that when you first gave your life to Jesus, that you didn't suddenly become a pure angelic being who never does anything wrong. At least, that's what I discovered, right? There's a long process that we go through, a process of recovery, right? (laughs) And that's the case not only personally, but with the world. It's a long-term solution. It's a multi-generational process of transformation. Multi-generational. And I think we can get impatient and think this isn't working quickly enough because we have to be willing to play the long game, and that's why we can often move away from that or feel ashamed of that. But one of the things that the other thing that I was reminded of as I was talking to Pastor Andrew, is that this is the long game. And he recognized that to really bring change to that community in Kawangwari, they had to be devoted to the long game. And he said, there's so many things that we could do, so what we have to do is actually focus, right? We're just going to do this in terms of practical, uh, you know, practical discipleship. And so for them, they felt that that, belong, that, that begins with the children, right? Because they're they have this sense that we don't want to take people out of poverty, we want to take poverty out of the people. And that's got to begin with the children. And so for them, this means, in that context, it means uh, running a school. Because he said to me, we are playing a multi-generational game here. Actually, he didn't say it like that. He said it way better than I just said it then. Uh, but it's a multi-generational thing, right? And we sometimes forget that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of God is like a seed that grows into a great tree. Now, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, but I understand that trees grow quite slowly, 
And so it is with the kingdom of God. It's gradual but persistent change and growth over generations. And so for them, the school uh, is a key to that. We, 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 we're going to uh, hopefully give you the opportunity um, to contribute uh, to the school uh, at some point. I, I feel that, this, I feel that we, we, um, we're going to get a lot more. We have a lot more to gain out of this relationship with this church than I think we're going to receive. That is because, as the book of Proverbs says, wisdom is more valuable than silver and gold. Wisdom is more valuable than silver and gold. But I do want this to be a two-way relationship, not just, them, not just us receiving uh, these wonderful insights for them, but I do want to find ways of sowing back into that relationship. So watch this space. We're going to be talking to you uh, more about that. But listen, let me, let, me, I'm going to, let me just summarize, and then I want to give you a historical ex- example. It's all about Jesus. Jesus told us as a church that our mission was to make disciples. That's empowering people to be who God created them to be. That's what it means to make disciples. People who recognize that God is God over their lives. Disciples. We are called to make disciples, and we need to, we need to stick to that because disciples of Jesus change environments. When you change a person's position, that person becomes an agent of change. Here's the historical example of that. In the um, 1700s, by the beginning of the 1700s, a movement that called themselves, and this is the most ridiculous piece of self-congratulatory hyperbole I've ever heard, uh, called themselves, they referred to this movement as the Enlightenment. Uh, and, you know, there were some good things uh, that, that happened through this. But by 17, about 1700, it was well underway with, uh, you know, a scientific uh, revolution uh, led by Sir Francis Bacon in, in, in the field of philosophy, uh, by Rene Descartes, French philosopher, and everyone, you know, and people like John Locke and David Hume and, and, uh, and, and other. And there's all of this talk about, about you know, dealing with the human situation and, and, and we've got to abandon uh, all of the traditional answers and, and you know, get rid of religion and, and it all became centred uh, on human ingenuity and reason and, uh, you know, in a sense, human beings and the human mind take central role here during the uh, Enlightenment, you know, we're setting ourselves free from all that silly superstitious stuff, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and we need to build a civilization based on reason. And this, is the, uh, this did a lot of damage, by the way, <laughs> you know, because this sort of the, the Enlightenment colonialist dream, they went out and all of these, ter- you know, these, these poor primitive peoples that didn't have our Enlightenment, you know, they, we, we felt like, you know, we were sort of talk about God complex, God's gift to the rest of the world. Anyway, uh, that's not what I'm talking about today, but uh, worth mentioning. Um, and so this, is, this was all of the trend at the time, right? Everyone's talking about philosophy and, and what we're going to do and, and the answers. And, and you know, and there was, this is really a lot of the, um, 
discussions, characteristically modern discussions about politics, all begins in, uh, during the, the Enlightenment period. And this was all of the rage. And even in the churches, uh, you started to get this, this movement, you know, and this, everyone's talking about, uh, about this kind of thing, okay? Now, it's interesting that by the end of the 1700s, a philosopher like Jean-Jacques Rousseau could complain, you know, what has all of this actually done? What difference has it made? And his answer was approximately nothing. And uh, I rather agree uh, in, in that sense. Don't agree with much that he says, but I agree with that. And, but in, another interesting thing happened, and this is what I want to get to. During the 1700s, and if, you're, if, you, if you know your history you'll know that there was a remarkable move of God in the 1700s that began in Britain and swept through America, and it was called the Great Awakening. Has anyone ever heard of that? That was in the 1700s, right? Right when, when the Enlightenment was, everyone was saying, oh, we don't need God anymore. And it's like, you know, I think of Psalm uh, 2, you know, uh, let us, uh, which talks about, you know, the world breaking away from God, and, and it says, and the one enthroned in heaven laughs. Not because he takes it lightly, but because it does not thwart his purposes. And what happened at the beginning from roughly about the 1730s onwards is that there were key leaders, people like John Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards and others, who worked tirelessly, and get this, to bring Jesus back to the church, to bring Jesus back to the church. That's pretty much what they did. What did they do? They talked about Jesus. And they, this was the beginning of a movement that became known as um, the evangelical movement because evangel is the word for gospel. The good news movement, right? Because it was all about getting back to Jesus. And it's kind of ironic today when, the, when people now use the word evangelical, they're talking about uh, the American political, political right, which is just like, how, does, how do we just keep losing? You know, this, this is actually meant to all be about Jesus. That was the whole point of the word, right? Uh, it was because they were preaching Jesus. Now, it made a difference. Because one of the biggest issues that no one could really solve throughout that whole period and before was the issue of slavery. And actually, by after this amazing revival at the end of the 1700s, the beginning of the 1800s, these evangelical Christians actually ended up abolishing slavery. I mean, that's you know, broad brush paintwork. But if you look up you know, abolition of slavery, if you look up, uh, there was a group known as the Clapham sect that, that were instrumental. These were a bunch of evangelical believers that were applying their faith. It didn't start because everyone was talking about the issue. It started because they were talking about Jesus. That's what changed the world. Because it is all about Jesus. It's just the long game. And I tell you something. For us, as a church, One Hope Church, this is my brilliant plan. We are going to make disciples of Jesus. 
We're going to make disciples of Jesus because it is all about Jesus. There's lots of other stuff. We're going to do other stuff as well, but let us never lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, human beings need to be repositioned and only Jesus can do that. It's all about Jesus. What do you think of that plan? (laughs) That's right. Why don't we stand together? Now, this is where we start with this. The first thing that we need to do is actually apply this to our lives. Whatever you're dealing with at the moment, I want you to bring that back to Jesus. We need to bring all of our issues back to Jesus. The thing that you need the most at any given point in your life is that you need the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through Jesus Christ. And it is given freely to all of us. You don't have to earn it anymore. This is the good news. No one has to earn it. You have access to the household of God. Free access. So let's bring all of our issues. Let's bring that to God. Let's bring our issues, our concerns, the things we're anxious about. Let us bring that to the feet of Jesus today and begin there because life begins with Jesus. Let's pray. Today, Lord, we recognise what you have done for us in Jesus. And today as a church, we not only recognise that, but we come to the feet of Jesus and we say, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you down here in this mess that we're in. Lord, we bring our mess to you today. Because unless you are at work, we are lost and without hope, but you are at work. And so, Father, we pray that you would be at work in our hearts, in our families, in our work environments, in our bodies, in our city, in our nation. We declare the name of Jesus as our only hope. We have one hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. We declare that today as a church. And would the love and the power and the grace of Jesus be powerfully at work within us. We devote ourselves to this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's respond together.